Uh, ooh. Uh, let me get that name off of there. Hang on. Okay, there we go. All right, whenever you guys ready? are ready. Yeah. So we are honored to be with Dr. John Halper. Hey, John. Good thing we're so, <laughs> so we're honored to be with Dr. Jan Halper Hayes. She is a consultant. She's been in finance. She has been head of the Republican women or Republican Republicans overseas. Right? Republicans overseas. And you are also an advisor and, and you're running a task force for DOD. So give us the overview of who you are because many people may not know who you are. Um, well, I started out as a corporate psychologist, mm -hmm. uh, not even wanting to be a psychologist, but got talked into it. And that there have been a couple of achievements in my life I got talked into that I feel so proud of and settled in and grateful that I got talked into them. And being a psychologist is one of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was not cut out to see patients in the office, especially after in my training, I asked someone why they kept coming back and all they were doing was mentally masturbating and mm -hmm. not doing anything. Mm -hmm. um, to which my advisor pulled me aside and said, business Maybe people, that's not the best. business <laughs> people, you need to work with people who want to get things done, which was the, the best advice. Well, we had dinner last night and you were, you're very perceptive. You, you see things that other people don't. I noticed that. Oh, so. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I started out just doing training. And what was so great was that um, in New York, you could be a psychotherapist before you got your PhD. Mm -hmm. And so I called up personnel directors, because that's what they were called at the time. I mm -hmm. opened my phone book based on um, the sectors I liked the best and said, hi, I've had some business experience. I work for the mayor of New York City and um, I can give training on feelings. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that was pretty much it that got me started. And wow. what was really great was the American Management Associations found me and they hired people to do workshops all around the country. And then I would get called from the companies. Well, our people say that we should only send people to the training course if you're doing it, but AMA won't tell us when you're doing it. Mm. And I said, well, how many people do you have? I'd be happy to come into your company. And that's how my consulting firm developed. Gotcha. Years later, I sold it to Tom Peters of mm. In Search of Excellence and set up a consulting arm for him. Mm. He, after the success of In Search of Excellence, he was the first person who was getting paid. This was the end of eighties, 50,000 a speech back then. Yeah. So put the, yeah, that was, yeah. that was real money. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that was really great. I consulted with Lucasfilm when it was starting mm -hmm. out and uh, Ralston Perina. I just got great insight into things, but there was one problem. And that was if I made a recommendation to move a manager or an executive out, then a lot of the problems would go away. So when I was working on my PhD, I wondered, am I really making a difference? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How? So 
I offered 56 clients if they wanted free counseling for a year. Mm. And because I was going all over the country training executives, uh, I continued. So long story short is 4,126 interviews later. Wow. The 56, it was 42 that agreed, maybe 43. And after 10 months, we all agreed we had to go another year. So that's how it turned out that I followed their lives for two years which Carl Rogers and Warren Bennis were my two advisors. And Carl Rogers was kind of the Freud of the 80s, the human potential movement. And Warren Bennis, rest his soul, was the leadership expert. And because of them, my dissertation was published in book form wow. and became a bestseller in quite a few languages. And uh, it ended up teaching me that it's really you listen to the front line. Mm -hmm. You listen to people. And, and when I was training as a, as a psychologist, the best advice I got was throw the book out and listen to mm -hmm. the patient. Mm -hmm. So I, don't I, I say I'm eclectic. I don't subscribe to any modality. And uh, Carl Rogers was really, really influential in terms of the ability to accept people, the ability not to label people. Mm -hmm. And that part is really important to me. And I'm not judgmental. I can be critical, mm -hmm. but being judgmental puts someone in a box. It yeah. labels them. But as a therapist, it's the worst thing that you can do. Because if I give you a label, then how are you going to see yourself beyond that label? Mm -hmm. So um, I loved practicing because I got to do it in the business So world. would you consider yourself a problem solver? I mean, is that what you, I mean, when somebody hires you, what is it for usually? Well, in the early days, um, it was to train salespeople. Mm -hmm. It was to advise executives. It grew to my ability to work with boards mm -hmm. and with senior executive teams. And then I became a specialist in mergers and acquisitions on the soft side. I mm -hmm. call it the intangibles. Mm -hmm. Why do people resist change? Um, it can take up to five years for an M&A to be successful. Mm -hmm. So what are the obstacles? What are the policies and the procedures that prevent people from being able to do their job? Um, that's fascinating because I worked with a lot of banks and they were amalgamations of eight or nine banks and they all still kind of in their own fiefdoms and it was yes. not a good business yeah. model in my opinion. And so for example, I, I had um, a research project done for a client because I wanted to go out to the customers and ask mm -hmm. them what were important. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to ask the executives and the employees what they thought were important, because then when you can show them the discrepancy, then there's an openness because until employees really got the power, mm -hmm. executives just thought they had to tell people what mm -hmm. to do and how to do it. And so, uh, that was really great because they put all the training dollars in the wrong things, mm -hmm. the wrong areas. And I loved what I was doing. And I really loved my specialty in mergers and acquisitions. Mm -hmm. uh, my last project before I retired, so to speak, was I hit 
90 countries in seven months. Wow. And we decided in that merger who the top 400 executives would be. And then I went around the globe working with them on having them understand the strategic rationale. Mm -hmm. But what was more important was that, yes, the strategic rationale was decided by the executives. But then when you got the feedback from the employees, that was when I could go back and tell the executives, you got this area wrong, you got this area right. So that if you're going to have a successful M&A, you have to have people, if you're going to measure something, mm -hmm. what you measure gets done. But if you're measuring the wrong things, they're not going to get done. So that brings me to, you know, corporate America was very successful, uh, extremely, you know, high level learning and doing the types of things you're talking about. Where did we get to this DEI garbage? <laughs> I mean, how did this happen? Oh, dear. Oh, oh, don't even start me on that. <laughs> Um, that garbage started way back, even before they started on male toxicity, mm -hmm. but for a woman to work, they had to make men bad. That is absolutely nuts, but mm -hmm. it is just part of the way that the strategy is to divide us mm -hmm. in every possible way. Even before that, it was the nuclear family that had been so strong and by the early 80s, it was like 12% yeah. was the nuclear family. Yeah. I mean, it was all of that kind of destruction. Uh, it started out with equal employment opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and we used to call it the ouch concept. Um, objective, uniform in application, consistent in effect, and have job relatedness. If we did that, it would all be fine. Mm -hmm. But then the biggest thing was no more meritocracy yeah and that was a way to justify allowing incompetence to stay in their positions and to hire more incompetence so how are these corporations not working for their shareholders they're working for something they're trying to achieve another goal in my opinion do you agree i mean and how is that going to play itself out because they're not working to maximize, uh, look, you know, look at uh, what's a company recently that's been, you know, go woke, go broke. I mean, that Oh, well, we've got know. Disney. Yeah. Uh, we could go on the list. Right, right. I don't think that they expected that to really? be the ramification of it. Huh. I think that they were trying to placate their employees. Mm -hmm. And what happened was they didn't realize that that is actually a very small percentage. Mm -hmm. Very small. Very small. Yeah. They think because the media covers it, because we've got politicians talking about it, that it's so relevant, but it is so irrelevant. And even when you hire incompetence, uh, the, the strategy, once I got called in because they put someone in a very senior role and they gave him a huge bonus, mm -hmm. although he hadn't been performing because their thinking was, if we give him a huge bonus, it will incentivize him. I said, you just paid him to be incompetent. Yeah. He doesn't have to change his behavior at all. Yeah. And they they don't think that way. Really? Uh, Amazing. They're, they're still geared to 
the quote unquote shareholders in terms of the stock price, mm -hmm. not in terms of, and they're not focused really on the customer. Mm -hmm. There was a good period of time in the late 80s and the 90s when they were really focused on the customer. Mm -hmm. I and mean, I did work for American Airlines. And in fact, I was just flying down on American and there mm -hmm. was an older woman who had just joined and her role was to supervise the flight attendants. And I said, well, let me tell you about Bob Crandall. Mm -hmm. um, they all came from the military. Mm -hmm. So everything was a bureaucracy. Everyone had to follow rules. And what happened was that if a flight attendant, they have forward, aft, aft, forward service, meaning you start at the beginning or you start at the, I mean, mm -hmm. at the front or you start at the back. And if the plane took off late, if the weather was bad, if there were problems, the flight attendant still had to do the forward aft, which meant give them a drink, go all the way back. And once you get to aft, then you can serve the meal. Mm -hmm. But if in fact, they wanted to cater to the customers and keep them happy because now they were hungry. It was a meal flight and they gave them both at the same time, the yeah. entire flight crew would be written up. Wow. And, and so, but the employees were too afraid to tell Bob Crandall um, at the time they built a new headquarters in Dallas that was all black blast. They called mm -hmm. it the Darth Vader building. Mm -hmm. And um, when I went in to speak to him in Plaskett, uh, that was in the days you could also smoke in the office. So, yeah. I, and I'm terribly allergic to that. I brought battery operated ashtrays mm -hmm. and gave that to them, hoping mm -hmm. that they wouldn't smoke, but that didn't stop them. But at least I could still talk about it. And then Plaskett was so stupid. He was senior VP of marketing and flight attendants, when they checked in, there was no email. There was none of this. The only way to communicate things changing was they had to listen to a video. And Plaskett got on the video and he said, well, we have discovered that 27% of you are thieves. Liquor and headset money is being kept. So we now have spies in the sky. Mm. Uh, he forgot about affirmative action and all of those laws that had gone into mm. effect. Uh, granted, they had discovered that there were boats called liquor and headset collection or you know things mm. like that but they didn't have the respect for the employees. And, mm -hmm. and fortunately I entered the consulting world when that was changing mm -hmm. and it was really, really valuable and incredibly satisfying. And people asked, how did I as a woman move up? Well, there were two things in my early days. Um, I actually started out doing the advertising for Johnson's mm -hmm. baby shampoo and mm -hmm. disposable diapers, but I got to talk about feelings. I got to talk about people. I got to talk about how rules and policies and procedures are not the way to lead. And um, so I didn't ever have to not be a woman. Mm -hmm. And also when I entered, I was told that, you know, you're going to get comments that you don't like. Mm -hmm. And so we learned how to deal with it, mm -hmm. you know, either laugh it off, ignore it, whatever. Um, so when this Me Too movement 
came out. Um, I actually think that part of the Me Too movement was to further solidify women as victims. It mm. wasn't to necessarily help them get out of it. Right. And uh, it, it's really been horrible that someone could complain about something six years before, 10 years before, and then impact someone's career, like Garrison yeah. Keillor. And he had apologized for that event. How could that woman mm -hmm. have come out and brought it up and ruined Garrison Keillor's long standing? I mean, he was 80 years old. Mm -hmm. He had just been, he was Americana, mm -hmm. you know? And so, I, I've been very glad that I'm actually have not been in the consulting world for to, some time, for yeah. some time uh, because I don't know if they'd want to hear what I have to say. Well, that's a good segue into what's happening today and <gasps> the destruction of our nation in multiple ways. You're involved in that. And tell us what you can about what you're doing now, your task force, what it is, who's behind it, and what you think your mission is. Uh, I don't know everyone who's behind it. Mm -hmm. Let's just get that out of the mm -hmm. way. Because I probably have consulted with well over 30,000 executives mm -hmm. and kept in touch with some, mm -hmm. the person that brought me in, um, I have had a long-standing relationship with. Mm -hmm. And he called me up and he said, because of your m and experience, can I talk you into going back to work? Mm. And would you be part of a 12-person task force? We need to understand what is going on in the psyche and mostly because it's social media that controls the psyche. Mm -hmm. um, would you be willing to spend a lot of time analyzing it? Mm -hmm. And I thought, yeah, that's kind of new for me. Um, okay. you know, I, I'm not sure how I'm going to go about it, but that's all right. Uh, you know, I'll figure it out on the task force. We have three liberal psychologists, mm -hmm. social psychologists, which is great because we need that perspective mm -hmm. because I will tell you to this day, I don't understand how the liberal mind works. I, I that's gave up, dissonance, I, right? <laughs> I, I, I gave up, I gave yeah. up trying to figure it out. Uh -huh. I, I, my, I can't go there to the mindset. How does, no, mm -hmm. I just, I can't, I tried, I can't. Mm -hmm. um, we have a forensic anthropologist. We have a forensic accountant on it. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a couple of other organizational, social psychologists. Mm -hmm. And um, we each have our own areas of specialty and they're just 12 of us and we we don't meet that often and but we are able to exchange our insights in a very free form and then there are a couple of people who are really good at taking all of it and distilling it mm -hmm. and who it gets passed on to i have no idea so when you said we, the guy who called you, do you know who that we is? Or? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. I've known him for 30 plus but, years. But who's, when he says we, who is it? No, when I'm saying we, I'm uh, saying the oh, 12 of us. Okay. The 12 of us. And so we feed off of one another because they might have a perspective 
that didn't even cross my mind mm -hmm. or wasn't an area that I had been exposed to. Uh, probably the most challenging thing of all of this for me is that it took me a while to see the evil. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I didn't. I hear that from a lot of people. You know, generals I work with have been like, you know, we started the Stars organization to like have grads try to change things. And and one of the comments from one of the uh, retired generals was, when we started this, I wasn't where you are. Now I am. You know. Yeah. So yeah. I hear that a lot. I mean. Uh, one of my dearest, dearest friends who I have the utmost respect for. I mean, we worked together when she was head of marketing at Air mm -hmm. California and then American bought them. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we go back in so many different ways, socially, professionally. And for years she would say they're evil. And I'd be like, I'm mm -hmm. not quite there. I, mm -hmm. I still don't know when that aha moment mm -hmm. came, mm -hmm. but when it came, it was like the fog mm -hmm. left my eyes, my brain, mm -hmm. and I suddenly saw the behavior, the actions, and I saw our politicians differently. Mm -hmm. It was no longer that there were Republicans and Democrats and independents. There were evil mm -hmm. and a few who maybe wanted to represent the people. Maybe. I, call it, I call it freedom or control, you know, one or the other. Uh, um, Self-centeredness, that's yeah. where I'm at. Mm. Self-centeredness. They don't really care. They care about themselves. They care about fitting in. They care about uh, which lobbyist is going to take them on what junction mm. or what. Or junk it, mm -hmm. um, and I, uh, I never realized how incredibly self-centered they were, mm -hmm. but also how corrupt they were. Mm -hmm. Personally corrupt. Personally corrupt. Yeah. Yeah. What struck people when Trump won? Uh, that still hasn't struck a lot of the politicians. They still mm -hmm. have. As oh, John Rich yeah. says, where you know, the sun don't shine, um, that they don't understand that they got away with telling you what they thought you wanted to hear, what their consultant told them to tell you, because whatever market research they did, and they were always asking the wrong mm -hmm. questions anyway, and then they could go do what they want. And it, it just goes back to if you're not called out for something and you get away with it, you get to keep on doing it. Yeah. And this, something has to happen for that to stop or else our country mm -hmm. really is gone. We're on the road. So um, you became, you got a huge amount of publicity with this interview you did with uh, GB News. GB News. Yeah. yeah. Nigel Farage works for them. And it wasn't his show, but yeah. uh, tell us about the concept of what you talked about there for our audience who may okay. not have seen that interview. Um, one of the things that has come back to me with feedback, it was as if people thought it was the first time I ever had done mainstream media. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I had been defending the Republican Party and Trump since he came down the golden escalator. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I've been on CNN, CNBC, you know, I've done all the mainstream media mm -hmm. since, you know, however many years mm -hmm. that has passed. Uh, I was lucky enough, and I guess I just have to say lucky enough, that uh, one, I'm not a morning person, mm -hmm. as you probably have figured out, uh, because I'm a night owl that goes well into the middle of the night. And uh, I was afraid. I was being picked up at six in the morning mm -hmm. and I pretty much work East Coast hours in mm -hmm. London. And that meant that I wouldn't go to sleep till three. And then if the call came, I might not hear it at six. So I stayed up all night Ooh. and I uh, got in the car, got there. And the producer came out to talk to me they kind of like me because often I go viral, but not viral the way this one went viral. Well, it was obvious you had talked to them before in oh, the interview. Oh, yeah. and, and other people found my past interviews mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. GB News and mm -hmm. CNBC and, uh, oh, Anima Poor. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, um, but I said to him, I'm going to talk about the fact that he's been given due process. Mm -hmm. And I know you've asked me when I come when I've come in before not to talk about the election. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about it because it's mm -hmm. very relevant. Mm -hmm. They'd never given me 10 minutes either. Mm -hmm. So what I first was able to talk about was one, Biden is the president of the now defunct corporation. Mm -hmm. And I cannot tell you how long I had been waiting to mock the media about the fact that they had mocked Trump in walking ahead of the queen. And they have since pulled up the video as I highlighted it. The liberals talk about microaggressions. I said to them, how about micro expressions? Mm -hmm. She flicked her hand that, cued him that he could walk. He only took two steps. She walked behind him purposely. She was far enough to his side that she didn't have to do that. And that was an optic to tell people that he had now taken care of the last person in the triumvirate, the triad of the Vatican, the Crown Corporation, which is the city of London and the District of Columbia, the three entities, the sovereign entities, they are, have their own constitutions that can't be touched by any other government. And that he let her know that in fact, he was bankrupting it. Mm -hmm. Now that would have happened earlier. It would have happened when he did his first world tour, when he went to Saudi Arabia and Israel, but John Burkow, who was uh, the speaker of the House of Commons, decided that Trump was so horrible, he would not let him come mm -hmm. and speak to the British public. Mm -hmm. He let Xi Jinping, uh, he let a lot of other people, but that wasn't going to happen. So that's one of the reasons it was delayed. I'm not saying the bankruptcy was delayed. 
I'm just saying informing the queen mm. that it was delayed. And it's important that people understand the Crown Corporation. When people think that the monarchy, monarchy is in charge, it isn't. It hasn't been. Mm -hmm. In 1067, William the Conqueror gave that one square mile, the city of London, its sovereignty. And that is where the European bankers started coming in to set things up. And that is where not only the financial control, but the trade control came out of it because there were no tariffs. There was just incredible freedom to make money. And the monarchy had had control over the, mm -hmm. the gold um, or the, the finances of the British public. But James I, uh, Charles I, Charles II, and James II had basically borrowed so much money and bankrupted. And the, the other power was the Freemason goldsmiths. Mm -hmm. And so they would loan the gold and they'd have these wooden chits. And they were determined to not let that happen anymore. So uh, in the late 1600s, they recruited William of Orange, part mm -hmm. of the Dutch monarchy and banking family. Uh, Pope Innocent the Eleventh, who was part of the Orlescacci Italian banking family, loaned William of Orange enough money to finance 20,000 people to come over and take over the monarchy. Mm -hmm. And at that point, they brought the Bank of England into the city of London and the monarchy at that point never had control again mm -hmm. over the gold, over any fiat currency, over anything. Mm -hmm. And so the other thing that I, I talked about that, I explained to them that the bankruptcy was we were no longer paying our taxes to the British people or mm -hmm. to the Crown Corporation. They were kind of shocked about that. And then um, I had explained to them that when Trump went to see the Vatican, that was another picture they needed to pull up because mm -hmm. I've never seen Trump look happier and I've never seen the Pope look more miserable because 650 planes went over to take our gold and mm -hmm. bring our gold back. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much what I told the British public and I'm trying to think I, if there was anything else in there that Joe Biden was technically legit, legitimate. Oh, and I said, if you think that the 2020 election was not fraudulent, mm -hmm. and I brought up Edward Snowden first, mm -hmm. said, how did Edward Snowden have all that information and how was he able to share it? So if you think our military does not have the goods, mm -hmm. then you're fooling yourself. Mm -hmm. So where do we go from here? What's the future hold? Boy, that's a loaded question. Mm -hmm. That is really a loaded question. My sense from what I know and what I observe is that, especially because the level of infighting mm -hmm. is escalating, that is a sign when 
a on the, movement on, theirs, on the dark uh, side uh, or in, on, on the, both sides. On both sides. Yeah. There's an incredible amount of infighting going I mean, on within people the feel patriot. More comfortable that they can well they feel success coming. Well, infighting happens when you're trying to discredit and destroy another side. But mm -hmm. this infighting is even going on within the patriot community. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when that happens in a movement, which ours is a spiritual war mm -hmm. movement, that is a critical sign of when a movement will succeed or will fail. Mm -hmm. And so in particular, my team is really focused on that right now because it's like a linchpin and you have to even see who in the Patriot community is trying to sabotage things. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because we still don't know who are all the good guys, the bad guys. You know, we call them the white hats, the black hats. Um, but one of the other reasons I like to bring up about 1871 and what that was when we lost control of our constitution. Mm -hmm. And what happened was during our civil war, Britain claimed to be neutral. Mm -hmm. They weren't. The Crown Corporation, City of London, and with Britain's approval, even though they didn't have a lot of approval, but mm -hmm. their interaction uh, were funding the Confederates because mm -hmm. they wanted to break sure. our fiat currency because our government made a commitment to the public that they would reimburse their fiat currency with gold and silver. Mm -hmm. And the Crown Corporation knew that that wasn't going to be possible. Mm -hmm. And they had bought a lot of bonds because yeah. they were going to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And understanding that is it's been going on for centuries. Mm -hmm. And so when I hear people ask me the question, it's been seven years, when is this gonna happen? We've been waiting so long. I said, you know what? Mm -hmm. Think about this. Think about the 700 plus descendants of the Rothschilds alone, that those kids grew up around the dinner table being groomed to be evil, being groomed for power, being groomed to cause everyone else to go in to debt so that they could be the ones mm -hmm. that made the money. And um, we have to be patient. Mm -hmm. We have to be patient. I know we have hope that maybe we're going to have a legitimate election in 24. Um, maybe we're, we're moving forward enough. Um, all I can say is that we're dealing with the incredible infighting sabotage and instigators that are going on and my team. So I don't know what other teams are doing, yeah. but we are working so hard on identifying it and making recommendations of how to circumvent it. One of the good signs is I had come out and called three people uh, that post a lot on X formerly Twitter, mm. be like the media that says parentheses, yeah. Twitter. Um, and my biggest fear 
because I, I had been the management expert on the NBC Today show. I was so happy that no one knew who I was mm -hmm. and I could just do my work because I didn't want people coming after me on social media. I, I'm totally relaxed now because the few things they found are mm -hmm. just ridiculous. And and I'm more than I, I, I say, yeah, it's true. So what? But um, the when I called them out, they went after me. And other people, well, their sycophants sort of defended them. But what I've noticed is more and more people are now turning against them. Mm. And that to me is a good sign because it means the idiots who believed them when they were trying to destroy True the Vote, Glenn Phillips mm -hmm. and Catherine Engel, Engelbrecht. Yeah. And when they were trying to destroy General Flynn, when they were trying to say that Admiral Rogers was a black hat mm -hmm. and and all of that, they are being discredited. So I operate kind of, you know, the uh, supply chain was LIFO or FIFO, mm -hmm. last in, yeah. first out, first in, yeah. last out, um, or first in, first out. Um, I look for those kinds of signs. And I right now am feeling encouraged. Mm. I, if you talked to me a month ago, I wasn't, mm -hmm. but there are some really, really good signs. I don't agree with Juan O'Savin when he's been saying we have to get past 80% mm -hmm. because one is that you've got 20 to 30% that are such followers and don't think for themselves sure. that even with cognitive dissonance, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be a long time coming. Um, you have, you have to look at it on a spectrum. And so I've described the way I see people at stages. There are the ones that are, what, what'd you say? What does that mean? What's mm -hmm. going on? I put those in the 20 to 30% yeah. and, I pray for them. Then you've got the close-minded that you're a conspiracy theorist. Right. Um, you're absolutely wrong. I know this, blah, blah, blah. Then you've got a group that is divided in half. One, they can't admit that they're wrong, so they challenge you on mm -hmm. everything. And then you have another group that asks you questions. Mm-hmm they're they're not quite there and then they move to a stage where their questions are really sincere they want to let go of what they believed mm -hmm. they're not traumatized by it they're not going through cognitive dissonance but they feel a little lost mm -hmm. and that group is moving forward and instead of the truthers i call them the seers mm -hmm. uh, they have the ability to see through and <clears throat> it's it surprised me because I sometimes join these spaces and these people are saying 13 years ago I was awake and I'm thinking oh god what was I doing yeah you know um <clears throat> 18 years ago when this happened blah 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 and I think wow they have been onto it for a really really long time but this spectrum there is and I try to explain to people, 
you can't say everyone's awakened. It's the depth of their awakening. Mm -hmm. And we have to support them, not judge them. And probably one of the, the biggest things that I say, or the consistent thing I say, and I think that has had an incredible impact is I've convinced people it's not their job to educate someone else or to tell them because when you do that you're making the person feel wrong what it is is the more you try to understand where they're coming from that is going to help them feel comfortable moving on well I feel like I'm fairly awake but I'm learning stuff every day oh me too so it's 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 in the process right well, it is. And again, if you think about the centuries that this has been going on, the way they've tried to mm-hmm. steal our soul, destroy our sanity, mm-hmm. that has been a major force every single day of our lives, yeah. whether it's what we learned in school, the history books, the media, um, the the way in which we have to deal with the system. All well, of that. I, I think a lot of this Hollywood stuff, if you look at the man in the high castle, the Matrix, I mean, all of the Terminator, uh, all of these movies. I mean, do you think that was all predictive programming? I mean, you look at The Matrix, it's pretty, you know, if you're familiar with that much with the movie. Yes, I am. But yeah. it's, it's, to me, quite obvious waking up. I mean, that that's what it was about. Uh, you know? Yes, I think that there were some people in there. Uh-huh. Uh, look, I, uh, I worked with before Lucasfilm was Lucasfilm, they Mm -hmm. worked out of a building called the Egg Company Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. And what really has driven George and still drives him is the sense of right and wrong. Mm. And that, I haven't watched any of it since Disney took over. Yeah, Yeah. But when George did the three, that was what drove him. Mm. Interesting. What else do you want the public to know? We've taken a lot of your time. Um, Well, I want them to know that if they go to my Substack and they read an article I wrote called Congress, the jig is up. Uh I, I first wrote an article that McCarthy is the most corrupt, duplicitous panderer Mm -hmm. and that he shouldn't be speaker. And I had written that in the no, in November, um, but Congress, the jig is up. Not one single one of them is qualified to be the Speaker of the House because they are so locked into how they conduct themselves. Mm-hmm. And we have really got to figure out how to stand up. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Anything else, Bill? My throat's dry. No, please. <clears throat> there is one question I'd like to ask. <coughs> yeah, sure. mm-hmm. well, how would you? Together. How would you, <clears throat> you? You've talked about how long this has been going on. This is centuries old. Yeah. We're fighting against centuries. Yes. Right. So, and this may not be something we end up leaving the, in the video, but just how how would you characterize what it is we're actually fighting? Because people are. <clears throat> people sense this. I've, I've spoken to groups recently where I say, are we at war? Yes. Are we at a spiritual war? Yes. And the whole room will say yes. How? What can you see? And they can spot some different things. But they, what they can't do is explain where was it 
30 years ago, 100 years ago? How come we didn't see it then? Has it been hiding? Whatever. I just like, I kind of like your thoughts on that. All Maybe right. You let let me ask that question. So what do you think it is that we're facing? Well, uh, if we don't call it a spiritual war and we don't say good, evil, mm -hmm. we are we are facing what actually former CIA director William Casey said, when the public believes the lies that we have told them, we will, and this is verbatim, but we know we will have succeeded. Which they did succeed for some time, oh, right? My whole life. Uh, I think maybe my parents and my great grandparents whole life mm -hmm. that, that this was going on. The if you go back to the late 1800s, this whole new world order mm -hmm. and this whole let's fool the public was written about and planned and everything else. Um, but uh, your question was a little different than Bill's question. Go ahead and um, and, and um, I think that if we take I've never, I've never been comfortable with the term gaslighting. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what does gaslighting mean? But if I talk about it as the crazy making mm -hmm. or the mind effing, mm -hmm. that people try to convince you that you're wrong. And also by societal conditioning that the scientists, the authority, they know better, you mm -hmm. don't. And you shouldn't trust yourself. We've been cut off from our intuition. And that's the other thing that I, I talk about a lot in terms of how our mind and our body works. So if you think of a car's built and it needs a driver. So our intuition is our physical and our emotional mm -hmm. and our spiritual reactions. A driver gets in the car and the driver has to decide, am I going to turn it on? Am I going to check the oil? Am I going right? Am I going left? Where am I going? That's our reasoning. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's where the devil comes into play. Mm -hmm. And that, whether whether the devil is the media tell, delivering the devil's message mm -hmm. or the devil says something to us and we don't trust ourselves, what we have to go back to this is my sense. I don't know if I'm right. I don't necessarily have all the answers right now, but that doesn't feel right. That mm -hmm. doesn't sound right. That has got to People be. People have that spidey sense, definitely. Everyone does. Mm -hmm. It's when you cut yourself off from yourself. And that's what the 20 or 30 percent have done, right? That you talk about. That, oh, like, no, they haven't even gotten that far. No, really? no. Okay. Where they come from is. Uh, they don't even, their reasoning, their thinking doesn't even come into play. If this is my feeling, then it has to be valid. I had one person in that sect tell me she was such a critical thinker. And then I said, well, what about this? And I just presented something that was obviously going on. It was very true. And she said, well, I need to go find the language to respond to that. Meaning I have to go ask somebody what to say 
to how to respond to that. That's exactly it. So yeah. if you also look at the evolution of political correctness, uh -huh. and then how did Santa Cruz University come out with these microaggressions? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, um, yes, if you, I, I use this, I, I actually use this with executives in helping them understand nonverbal mm -hmm. because there were two posters of Farrah Fawcett majors that was, they were the most successful, but one smile was welcoming and one smile wasn't. And mm -hmm. I would use kinesiology with them. So I'd have them stand up and I'd try to pull their arm down and I would hold one poster up and their arm would stay strong uh -huh. and I would hold another poster up really? and it would be weak. And they were like, I said, have you wondered why at cocktail parties we hold the glass out this far because we don't want someone's energy sphere mm -hmm. to get to us? Have you thought about when someone gives you a dirty look, it does upset you? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, you could decide to walk away and you deal with it. But initially, that can have an impact. Mm -hmm. And it's important to understand that that could be throwing us off. Well, let's just look at how Hollywood has used that mm -hmm. to upset us, to distort our thinking and our feeling. But going back to these centuries of destroying us, it's whatever the current cultural war, the progression of political correctness, the you need to fit in. Oh, be nice. I love and I'm walking my dog all the time. And mm -hmm. I love how when the other person's dog is growling and, oh, be nice, be nice. I said, they're having their alpha thing. Just let them work it through, mm -hmm. you know, but it, it comes out in mm -hmm. every way. Or you shouldn't say what you're thinking. It's important for approval and to fit in. And those are the, the societal norms that people need to continue to break out of. Mm. Very wise. Don't pass out scorecards to everyone else and forget to give one to yourself. Mm. Give one to yourself first. That's the scorecard that matters the most. And then you can see what other people are saying, because sometimes the feedback can be valuable. And sometimes it's just a projection of their own stuff, which mm -hmm. we know the liberals Very are good. great at projecting. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. My it was great. Good. Awesome. That was very, very nice. Uh, so what, what part of London do you live in? Um, I now live, uh, my son was at the French school, so I lived in Kensington and then moved first to Peckham, 